<laughs> I think we're here. We are. We're here. Uh, that was. Um, should we get started and introduce this podcast? Yes. Yes, we should. What okay. is this podcast called? Um, teach me to read. Teach me to read. With teach me to read. Adam and Vicky. With yeah, teach me to read with Adam <laughs> and Vicky. That's um, that's the name, and um, yeah, we are also learn both of us uh, teaching each other how to read, but I think also learning how to read as well. So, but if both of us are teachers, we're both learners in the same mm-hmm. regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah. So, shall we say who we are and how we know each other and how we come to this? Yes, absolutely. Would you like to go first? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I am Vicki. I am a current educator, and I've taught several subjects, but they've all fallen under the umbrella of the humanities. Um, I And I also teach high school, so that is a fact. I'm interested in uh, spiritual wellness, and I believe that my faith demands that I seek justice. So I, the things that I read, the conversations that I engage in are often steered around various justice issues that are happening in our world today. Um, And I'm interested in personal and collective liberation, which sounds very, I don't know, kind of fancy. And I'm still trying to figure out exactly what that means. But I do know that my personal liberation involves creating without fear. I feel like a creative person. Uh, And I am tapping into that. Uh, I don't know if I'm tapping into the without fear, but I'm tapping into your ability to create. And I am happy (laughs) to do so. (laughs) Uh, Thanks for that introduction. Uh, I feel like I I know you even better than I already do. Um, uh, I, my name is Adam. Uh, I'm Adam Barajas. I am a former educator. So until this past year, uh, I had been, uh, science and math teacher in both high school and middle school. Started off in middle school and and after a couple of years of that eventually wound up teaching high school. I've taught um, younger, mainly younger students in high school math and then the older students uh, science, but it kind of varied. I, within, within education itself, my, my interests uh, really focus in on like the intersection of justice and relationship within classroom culture. So I'm just super interested in what does it mean for a student to belong in a classroom and how that uh, belonging and relationship that the teacher or that the educator and the student can foster with each other leads to deeper learning and, and deeper meaning of justice with what with the content being learned. Um, I also equally pertinent to this, so I, you know, someone might say like, why is a math and science teacher all, all about reading? Um, <laughs> you know, which is a fair question. Uh, I, you know, I think there are a fair amount of scientists that are super um, engaged with uh, literature and with readings, you know, of a variety of, uh, across the spectrum. But uh, when I was in high school, uh, my high school English teacher gave away gave out uh, sarcastic superlatives. So thanks, Mrs. Florence, for uh, giving me <laughs> the uh, superlative of uh, being the only. I'm doing air quotes here. The only student to consistently do their readings uh, in I our high school English class. Love that. I <laughs> <Yeah>. love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
But yeah, it was that, true, right? It wasn't sarcastic. You I, were actually <laughs> the only. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get her in trouble for for admitting <laughs> that she taught a class full of students who didn't do the reading. Um, I think well, she listen. knew that there was a, a, a grain of, of truth in that, as did I. Um, but we yes. all know, <laughs> right? When we're assigning assignments, you yep. know, what's the what's the over under here of <laughs> on time completion? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, yeah. So I've always had a special kinship with with uh, reading communication in general. Um, but dove away from that. So yeah, so that's a bit of me. And maybe uh, for a brief moment, we can say how we, we know each other. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think in the, the simplest form, would you just say we went to school together? Does that describe the extent of us knowing each other? I think that's the simplest way to put it. And also does not do justice <laughs> to the deep, deep love that we share. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, there was, it's yeah, somewhere between went to school together and then also both suffered two years of pretending to know what we were doing mm. first as first time mm-hmm. educators uh, in a land far from home. So uh, much suffering. Surrounded by complete strangers, yeah. we. But also a lot of joy, so yeah. much joy. It was a beautiful two years. We started teaching together. We did. Like, you are a person who was with me from the very first steps. Practicum in the summer, mm-hmm. classes that we were taking, you know? Yeah, we started started and, and lived a majority of our education, or a large part of our education career, our education experience together, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And have stayed in touch, even though it's been, <laughs> what, seven years? Something obscene? This, this, will, this will be the eighth year come May that we've been out of, um, yeah, that we haven't been teaching together. Out of the program. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yikes, Zeroni. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah that's how we know each other so that's us Um, so uh, you know with that long winded explanation of who I am um, maybe we could dive into what to expect in this podcast so you're listening for a reason something drew you here whether it's you knowing us or uh, you liking the title or anything in between Um, so what can our listeners expect well we are going to read stories and talk about them we that's... both love to read, and that's the central, <laughs> <laughs> yep. the central conceit of this project. Um, and we're unpacking these stories in personal ways, right? We're not presuming to be college professors or writing super in-depth think pieces about the works that we read. You know, we're gonna unpack them and discuss them and talk about how they are significant to us. Yeah. Um, Oh yes, and we will touch we'll touch on these stories as friends, as learners, and as teachers together. Yeah, and that together can mean something um, a little different as this goes on. You know, I think there's the two of us talking about them. I think we have a, a wonderful network of of human beings that are well versed in a variety of topics and experts in their own worlds, and we'd love to bring them on. And also, you as listeners uh, can expect a little bit of touch points in these as well. And we'll get into that as as the project develops. For sure. Yeah, we really are excited to not just share our own feelings to these works, but to hear yours as well. So look out for that in the not too distant future. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stay, tu- stay tuned for more. Yeah, um, and maybe just um, a final piece of introduction 
uh, about our desire to do this. So we've, we've talked a bit about us and, and who we are and what this is, but I think it's important just to know where we, we uh, what our hopes for, what our hopes are and, and how that lines up with, with our intent to do this. Um, yeah. And as I mentioned, I was a former educator. So I uh, have, you know, this, this widening gap of relationship with education. And, and this is a, I think a central piece. I'm using this as a central piece for me to stay uh, in touch and involved with education and learning. Um, and help me uh, navigate the outside world. I think there's so much going on. We say 2020 was, you know, a year, and you know, whether whatever year, what kind of name you want to give to it. Uh, I just think that the world is is becoming much more um, within reach, constantly within reach due to technology. And, and I, I am hoping to use this project as a means of uh, digesting and processing what's going on in the world outside from a global pandemic to um, racial inequities, along with, you know, just the experience of love and loss in the world as well. Yeah, I echo a lot of that. Um, part of the 2020 experience for me has been a lot of things ending or a lot of things slowing down, a lot of events not happening the way that any of us <laughs> imagined or dreamed they would. And sometimes that's been really tragic, you know, causing a lot of grief. But I've also found that I appreciate the slowing down of everything. And it's allowed me to tap into um, what I find truly sustaining, especially at a time that's been so difficult and so challenging. I get a lot of energy from creative endeavors. I love reading poetry, making music, reading books, writing. And I'm often a consumer of that stuff. And I'd love to also produce or at least talk about it out loud, you know? Um, it sustains me in good times and it sustains me in wild times, which these certainly are, so. Yeah, thank you for allowing uh, not only me to, to participate in that that joy and grounding of creation, but for all of us who are, are participating in that, we're we're grateful to have everyone along for this ride and, and digesting. Mm -hmm. We're digesting every day together. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, so I think the way that, at least for now, the way that this will work is um, we'll dive into some of these works. But before we dive into them, we'll do a brief introduction. So. Uh, for today's introduction, I think I'm going to lean on you, Vicky. Would you like to introduce not only the work, but the author as well? Oh, I would love to. The piece that we're reading today is by a writer named Roxanne Gay. And I love her. I love her. She will never know my name. She will never know that I exist. But, you know, someday she's going to be walking around her home, being the goddess that she is, and she'll feel strong vibes of love just surrounding her. And it'll be from me, even though she doesn't know it. So Roxanne Gay is a writer, a professor, an editor, and a social commentator. Um, her debut novel came out in 2014, and it's called An Untamed State. And she identifies as a novelist, but she's written many nonfiction works as well, including Bad Feminist, which is a collection of essays. She writes opinion columns for the New York Times. And in 2017, she wrote Hunger, which is her memoir. 
Mm-hmm. Also, also, fun fact, she was a lead writer on Marvel Comics' World of Wakanda series. Ooh, I can dig that. Yeah, amazing. And uh, tragically short-lived, but mm, she wrote it with a that. poet, and it is incredible. She's also a Black woman who grew up in the Midwest with immigrant parents, which makes me connect to her on a deep and spiritual level. So, Do, do you... Uh, I don't want to make you dive too deeply into that, but um, what... What about that experience of hers uh, maybe resonates with you? Being a somewhat nerdy black girl surrounded by white people and also by black people who don't know what the hell you're about. Ooh, I can't wait to dive into that as we continue on. Yeah, that's that's big because I feel like that's not the first time I've heard you mention something like that. Um, And I'm really glad that you, you found an author for us to dive into that, that has a similar experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, can I ask a little bit uh, more about her before we dive in? And I don't expect you to be the expert, but I, I am super interested in the nexus, the, the kind of intersection about her identity as um, a novelist, as an essayist, as a professor, as a writer. Um, what, I guess, in your experience as a reader, uh, when you look at authors, it's like, okay, this author, you know, um, is, you know, Rick Riordan. He likes to write children, you know, like, you know, young adult or juvenile fit fantasy. Or, you know, you, you go to a different writer and they do all nonfiction. Um, how has your experience been as a reader with Roxane Gay and her variety of works? Well, one of the reasons why I love her is because when I read her works, it feels like she is with me in the real world. Sometimes, you know, we all read books to escape, to dive into a different world, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And there is, there is definitely some of that, too, with Roxane Gay, in her fiction especially. She definitely takes you into another world. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, I always feel like she's writing about something that's very real, and very relatable. And I mean, honestly, I don't exactly share all of the life experiences that her characters go through. Um, But I think that she is speaking, she's speaking truth about the experience of women, about the experience of queerness, about the experience of, um, you know, sometimes being a woman of color in a predominantly white world you know she's telling the truth about it and she tells it with like very little filter which i love (laughs) Mm. yes yeah absolutely i mean you know i can't tell you how often i hear from either side of the political spectrum like you know stop censoring me Mm. or stop coding Mm -hmm. the truth like i i i appreciate her honesty and her frankness with it and as someone who can't necessarily identify with all those individual pieces that you named. I think I still am grateful um, for the invitation that she offers for me to, to not necessarily live, but to, to experience those facets of life um, in whatever small empathetic ways that I can. Yeah. So shout out to you, Roxanne Gay. And thank you for, for letting us in a little bit. One more shout out. She has a new newsletter out that's called the audacity. 
she just started it at the beginning of this year and it's it's fire i love it so (laughs) if you're so inclined check that out please do yeah and maybe more to come uh i i don't think that you know this being our first episode i don't think we can uh eliminate uh circling back to different voices uh as we as we proceed um i yeah and i just last note i just want to maybe as a as a reader of you know a, a new reader to her works I'm really interested in her, the titles of her work, um, Mm -hmm. like the audacity, bad feminist, right? There's this, like this, uh, permission to be bold. Like you had mentioned, she, not only is she bold, but she kind of allows you, gives you that permission as well. Not that it's necessarily hers to give, but she just enjoins that. um, She sure does. Upon the world. She Mm -hmm. sure does. Unrelentingly, you know, unapologetically. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm grateful for that. Yeah, so um, that is who she is. Can we talk a little bit about... About the um, specific piece? The this, this specific piece, yeah. We'll, we'll dive into the summary later, but maybe just introduce this piece that we're doing. Yeah, yeah, so we are reading from her collection of short stories called Difficult Women, appropriately mm, named as we talk about how <laughs> unapologetic and bold she is. Um, mm-hmm. And the story that we're reading is called Water all its weight. Great. Um, I'm excited to dive into this work uh, in just a moment. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. I just got to say how glad I am that we don't have a, a bell to sound when class starts. Uh, <laughs> that just makes it a lot more calm. Yeah. Did I ever tell you the school that I work at currently? When I started there, we did not have bells. Oh, tell me more. Everybody just kind of looked at their watches and looked at the computer <laughs> <laughs> and like sent the kids away when it was, you know, whenever our hearts told us it was time to send them away. But you know what? It actually worked kind of well. That, um, the very first school I taught at was was like that. And it worked decently well because there were only three classrooms for us to pop our heads out mm, of and yes. just be like, you know, do the nod, the like, please hurry nod sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was the pseudo passive aggressive, like, I'm just going to send my kids, even though you haven't acknowledged <laughs> that it's time yet. And you're going to have these kids waiting for you, um, you know, that we all used when we were just a little bit in over our heads. Oh, yeah. Um, uh-huh. Uh huh. But yeah, I, that's, I am thoroughly impressed. Props to all of the teachers that either do make that work or made that work. Um, that uh, takes a special skill for sure. And some anxiety, you know, just like constant yeah. low grade anxiety. <laughs> you got to live with it, right? Like you just had to learn to exist in that low grade anxiety that our students often live with mm. as well. And we, I don't know if we help or hurt with those, with the scheduling or lack thereof. Yeah, you know? maybe it's nice to not have a high pitched wailing sound in your ears every 50 minutes all day long. Well, I'm, I'm enjoying it right now. That's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> okay. So we're going to get into our story. Yes, that's, that would be great. So let me let me just tell you my first uh i am so excited to dive into this because this story was not what i thought mm. at all mm. so readers or listeners and readers fellow learners 
if you haven't read the story yet, uh, prepare to just, you know, let this weigh upon your mind. Um, and if you have read it, I, I wonder about that experience with you too, how this, this was not where I thought the story went from, from the, the brief 30 second synopsis I got before. Yeah. I think I, I resonate with that as well. There's a superficial interpretation that I had. And then after you and I talked a little bit more, I was like, oh, wow. No, there's, there are lots of different ways to read this story. It's great. Yeah. So let's dive in. Vicki, do you want to yeah, take us in? Yeah, I do. The story is called Water All Its Weight. And quick summary, it follows a woman named Bianca, who from the time of her birth is followed by water. And the story takes the reader through parts of her young life and highlights a few moments in her adult life, including her relationship with her now ex-husband, Dean. That's, it's a very short story, but that is a very quick and dirty summary of the story. Yes, I, uh, I won't bother kind of rating these stories because any story that we do or any, any work that we, that, we, that we dive into is an automatic, I think five stars are worth it, I'd say. Mm. Um, but I would say, you know, as much as I can, read this story. Whoever's listening, read yes, this story. Yes, I concur. Also, can I say something about that? About rating stories Please. or not? Yes. So yes. I have a profile on Goodreads. Do you use that? Mm-hmm. I've, I, I use Goodreads only to check out, like, what is this book about? Or give me some details about yeah. this book. Every mm -hmm. time I finish a book, they're like, what did you think? How many stars would you give this mm. book? And I always struggle with that because... And I've talked, to, I've talked about this with some of my other friends. There are books that are classics that are like critically acclaimed. And there are books that you love because they really speak to something inside of you. And there are mm -hmm. books that are trash, you know, but like, <laughs> yep. how do, when I say I'm giving a book five stars, is that because it really, really touched my heart? Or is it because I think it should be taught in every classroom across the country? I just... I just get to in my head. And so I never rate the books on Goodreads. Mm. Much to the mm -hmm. chagrin of one of my friends, sweet Brenna. Mm. But, you know, we talk about books. Okay. So she knows what I think by the end of it. Okay. Well, Brenna, for what it's worth, I think this is a five-star story. <laughs> um, and all the other short stories I've read in this larger work, five stars for sure. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't want to steal your friend from you, but just want to reassure reassure Brenna um great so my my first thought as you say that as you give that summary especially as you you so perfectly put it um Bianca is followed by water and to me uh, as you know I was sitting here with my partner we both uh, were like oh my gosh like Moana yeah she's gonna like you know say hey come here water and like give this little you know dog uh some water to drink and Oh, here's a poor little flower. Come upon this flower and 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 give it some life. Um, and, you know this this happy. You know, and and of course, I thought you know this is a work by Roxane Gay. So there's there's boldness, there's there's edginess to it. But but I did not think about the insidious nature of water mm -hmm. as it as it follows and I would say almost creeps around. Bianca. Oh yeah, certainly. It says that from um, the beginning, yeah. the very first sentence, water and its damage followed Bianca. Mm. So you're right. This is not and, a life-giving, yeah. refreshing source of life. You know, this is, mm. this is a water 
that, you know, one has to reckon with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. The reckoning of, with water. Um, and, you know, we don't we don't need a, to, to give synopsis and step by step. So forgive us listeners and learners for, for not. So uh, I'm going to jump right in and say what this story really uh, how it really impacted me or how how I'm grap- grappling with a, a few of the touch points within the story. Mm-hmm. So first, uh, to me, whether or not this is a work of, you know, it's, it, it definitely is a work of fiction, uh, you know, a short story fiction. But uh, to me, there's this is fantasy, right? Like who has water that follows them around? Uh, there's a moment in the in the book where she is in the desert and rain clouds form around her. I think of of you know in my mind i had images of like low-key storm from x-men just kind of like you know winky face a little bit you know um and yeah so there's there is this this um non-real supernatural kind of supernatural yes and and i think there's there's a mix of this it's where the supernatural meets the surreal for me Mm -hmm. uh in this story and I, I think that that is an experience that we all have as humans from however mundane we think our lives are. I do think there's an element, which is why we're drawn to fantasy. There's an element of fantasy and make believe of surreality that surrounds all of us. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think of so it made me hearken back to those moments in my life where I've, you know, had an inexplicable save from when I was going to fall. You know, if I was like a five year old and I was going to fall like. 12 feet it's like oh but then magically my foot got caught here you know and and stopped me from doing that or um or whoever you know there's there's these moments of 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 gut this 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 natural relationship with the supernatural um and and that's what this story you know and i maybe i'm going a little bit off tangent here but that's what it awoke with for sure um so i mentioned so i had an image in the story that that reminds me of there's a part where she is talking about how the narrator says that Bianca was a, like a, an infant, you know, and in her crib and the ceiling in her bedroom was just like, there is a drip, there is a drip. And her parents went to repair the ceiling and there were lots of examinations and people were trying to figure out where the water was coming from. And there's just no answer. There's just water in the ceiling and there's water in the mm-hmm. sky and there's water on her body. It's just, she is followed by water and there's no rational explanation for it. It's just like you said, surreal. Mm-hmm. I it could. Yeah. I thanks for, for, for pulling that out a bit more. Absolutely. And I, I, I love that you brought up that image with the, the ceiling being replaced. Um, that did a little bit for me mm-hmm. th- that made me wonder. Right. So in the story, the narrator describe, describes how despite the staining in the ceiling, Bianca's mother still cared for her deeply. You know, she was almost captivated. I, I called it a, an experience of ecstasy, right, with, with her child. Uh, you know, like, oh, yeah, the, the ceiling is broken, but look at my loving daughter. And someone replaced the ceiling. That matters not. But then it happens again. And then again. And it happens the ceiling is replaced and then broken again three times. And for me, that image of three is, is, is incredible. You know, I, I, I think in, in a base level, you know, if I'm playing like a video game or something and there's a puzzle that you're doing, you often have to do it three times for the big chime to happen. And then boom, you get to move Hmm. on. Or, um, 
I think in a, in a more profound level, uh, the, the religious, um, especially within Christianity, but that's like my basis. I think that three is a, is a number that's seen all across, uh, the human experience of, of spirituality. Um, yeah. but that harkens back to the, the three, t- you know, whether it's Christ asking Peter three times for his, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And, and, and it's, it's interesting. Cause like, it's yes until the third time. Mm. And that's when mom has had too much. Um, and I just, it made me wonder in a, in a deeply spiritual sense, like how many times would I need to replace my ceiling in any situation with any person, right? Like how many times would I have to, to do blank before enough is enough. And I think that, you know, I don't think that that's, there's an inherently selfish response to that, you know, I think people, you know, how many times can I go back to a, an abusive partner or how many times can I go, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of pieces that, that it's okay to have a threshold. Sure. And everybody has different capacity and a different threshold. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, so, cause it's easy for me to be like, oh, that villainous woman for giving her away. But also I think that, yeah, our capacities are so different. So anyway, yeah. um, I'm just thinking, yeah, thanks for bringing my mind to that. I'm thinking when you mentioned that I'm thinking about Bianca, the woman who is followed by water and how she doesn't have a choice, right? Everybody else mm-hmm. can repair their ceiling three times and then give up on her. Her husband, mm. Dean, you know, they're married for a time. And then he, what does it say? He couldn't handle the, the rot that followed Bianca or something, mm-hmm. you know, he mm-hmm. also, oh yeah. Dean couldn't handle the watery rot that followed Bianca. Well, that's nice for Dean, but Bianca has to live with this, you know? Mm-hmm. And yes. there are lots of little pieces in the story where she, you can see her kind of hyping herself up or comforting herself or, you know, making, you know, resigning herself to her situation, which I think I, mm-hmm. you mentioned one time she tried to master faith. Mm-hmm. She hoped. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both of these things where she's, she's bringing herself back into it and not letting herself get washed away by the water itself. Um, yeah. I, that's hard, right? Because, you know, there's so many moments in our lives where we're like this addiction, which is too to- th- This other person's addiction is too toxic for me. I'm going to step out. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, and, and, and I, I, maybe I'm going too far ahead of myself here because I'm a big proponent of at least my interpretation of this is like water can just be water. You know, I think there are lots of very valid um, readings of this as, um, you know, water representing trauma or water representing, depression, especially the trauma, depression, uh-huh. health issues. Mm-hmm. And, and not to, to downplay those, I think those are very valid um, images uh, and, and connections that we can draw. Um, but for me, I think, I think, you know, and I'm a very literal person too. Bianca just can't say goodbye to her water. Right. Um, and, and to me, that's, that's another touch point for me that this water, which is, you know, water is life giving, but in overabundance, it can be incredibly draining or rotting or, um, overbearing. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. And that's, and we, we see those images in everywhere from the mush that come, that, that appears around her at the gym from the ceiling becoming um, just completely saturated with water or the, the ceiling or the, the ceiling of her living room becoming completely burdened by the water Mm -hmm. as it bends Mm -hmm. inward. Yeah. Um, And for me, it's like, that's literally just water. Um, And, and I, they they mention a place where in when for Bianca's honeymoon the 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 narrator describes Bianca and her and Dean her husband her ex husband going on their honeymoon to the Sahara to do some good mm-hmm. um, and I love that line and I love that 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 brief glimpse that we get into that because we see where her water isn't seen as a curse yes 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 and I. And she, she leaves that she, you know, she sees that and she's kind of sad. And the people are very sad to, to see her go. The, the villagers, as they say, are the people in these villages that surround the Sahara um, wail as, as she leaves and as the, the rain clouds dry up. So she knows that she's appreciated. Um, but, you know, it brings to mind for me, what, in what places are my gifts overabundant? Are they a burden mm-hmm. on those around me or a burden you know, and whether it's gifts or my, my personality, my being, I think, I mean, even now as we hear, I can talk a lot, right? And so where is that like really a good gift? And where is that a place that is just a little too much? And so that, that liminal space, I think, is, is really uh, telling for me, right? Like, where is this water too much? And where is this water just right? Yes. So those were some of my thoughts. I'd love to, I, I kind of took that away. I'd love to, to hear some of your thoughts on uh, where this story touched you. Well, you mentioned this earlier, but the interpretation that the water is depression or trauma or something, that is the first thing that came to mind when I was reading the story. But in our conversation, I loved thinking about that other question. The water is just water or the water is our essence it's just the Mm -hmm. pieces of who we are and we you know how does it affect I think one of the things that I love most about this story is the the rich imagery you can you can see Bianca's world you can smell Bianca's world Mm -hmm. you can Mm -hmm. feel it right you can feel Mm -hmm. the heaviness of moisture in the air at all times And that was Mm -hmm. really evocative to me. And it makes me think about how we move through the world, just being ourselves, um, but we we have an impact, right? We change Mm -hmm. the environment just by existing. And sometimes that can be a good thing. Like when Bianca Mm -hmm. went to the Sahara Desert and was providing water (laughs) for all of these very, very dry (laughs) villages. And other times it creates rot and you know, can overcome, can drown, can turn things mushy and kind of gross. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate you saying, because it reminded uh, you saying how um, the author really does a great job of, of bringing us into that world of give, using that descriptive and vivid, I would say vivid, vivid words or, or language. Um, my, as I was reading, my thought was, how, how is it that the author is able 
to write poetry into prose? How is she able to make this story read like poetry? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and it wasn't unique to this short story. As I read more and more of Roxane Gay's, uh, all of her works within this larger piece, I realized this is the way that she writes, which is far beyond my ability to, to barely comprehend, let alone <laughs> try to imitate. Um, but so at I, the same time, again, yeah. it's so rooted in reality. It is mm-hmm. surreal. Mm-hmm. It does have supernatural elements, but like, I don't know. It ta- she talks about Bianca going to work in her office, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and Bianca yeah. driving in her car with the sunroof and going home and drinking three glasses of wine. Like, mm-hmm. even as the story reads with a lyricism and vivid imagery, it's still so... You can, you can see this world. You can see this life, even if it doesn't fit into the natural order as we understand it. Mm, preach. I'm snapping my fingers right now. I don't want <laughs> to do it into, into the, mic. the mic, but <laughs> snap into the mic. Amen. Um, yeah. It, what, um, what are some other thoughts? Do you have any other thoughts? Yeah. Uh, how this touched I, you? Yeah. And this is not a fully developed thought, so forgive me. This might become a... <laughs> senseless ramble but I am still really thinking about and holding the idea that you know everybody else can walk away from Bianca and can walk away from her water but she Mm -hmm. cannot this is her this is her life this is her existence and what what must it be like for anybody but also especially a woman to know that she has a piece of her identity that other people are so inclined to walk away from. Maybe it's cute and quirky at first, but after some time, people get tired, people get, you know, frustrated and they walk away. And what is it like to not be able to walk away from yourself? How do you cope? Mm. How do you, and not just cope, but how do you embrace and find joy in that life? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Bianca would be able to answer that question. I feel like we get images, especially, you know, of her, the, the most recent pieces of her life that she, that we're told about, where she's almost numb, you know, she's good at her mm-hmm. job, she can do, you know, they, they, you know, there's certain aspects that she's not off. She's not closed. Right. She's living. Um, she's living. But also I think there's this piece where, where it, the water and all of its weight weighs upon yeah. her. Right. And she is, is, is struck by that reality that she can't walk away from. And I think that, you know, I, I, you, there are many pieces, at least about me personally, where I think like, oh man, I'd love to change this or I'd love to be better mm-hmm. at this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this, this is different. I would say that this is not just, man, I wish I was a better runner or man, I wish I like liked sugar less, Yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, this is um, a piece of me that draws others that, that pushes others away. And this is a, and this is a piece of me that weighs myself down. And I, and I know that we all have aspects of that, but I, and I'm not into comparative suffering, yeah. you know, but, but I do think that there are people who have who 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 are well aware of this whether it's because society has put it in front of them that like hey this mm-hmm. is a piece of you that i am not wanting to deal with 
or through their own personal experience, they've reflected enough or have just had experiences that have brought awoken within them their, their recognition of, Hey, this is an aspect of me. That is the water. Yeah. Um, and a part of me is grateful for not understand to know that, to have that weight upon me. But also I think there's a part of me that like, what is that that's being asked here? What, what is this piece that I can't run away from and that other people might want to run to yeah. move away oh, from? Yeah. I think the, the story, the fact that it's water and that it rots everything mm-hmm. and it's heavy and it has a weight, you know, that makes it, um, it makes it seem like the inescapable thing is very large and dramatic. But I think to your point, in, in most of us, those parts are not as large and looming and dramatic, right? Mm-hmm. They're, mm-hmm. they're subtle. I know, I think mine or part of mine, I have this deep anxiety about time. I never mm-hmm. feel like I have enough time. So I'm often, and I feel this, especially at school, but <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I want uh-huh. to be present. Mm-hmm. I want to stop and have conversations in the hallway. I want to ask students casual questions that have nothing to do with the lesson plan but sometimes I find myself so wrapped up in the time I only have this much time left if I stop and talk now that I'm not going to be able to do this you know and Mm -hmm. I don't know it's different because it (laughs) I think that is a thing that causes me to push people away rather than other people Mm. to walk away from me but Mm. again that's a thing that's small comparatively you know, it's not like written on my yeah. forehead. It's not. Mm. Yeah. Dripping on your yeah. wrists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I f- just shout out to all uh, of the educators right now. That is, um, I'm sure there's a lot of people nodding their heads along right now. Mm. I shouldn't say a lot. Who knows how many people are listening. But, um, <laughs> our moms. <laughs> um, our moms are saying yes. My mom doesn't Amen. listen to podcasts. My mom is never going to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my mother listen to this, and she's gonna be excited that she got a shout out in the first episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that I, I not to to validate your anxiety if that's even a a, a means, but a, a, a way of proceeding. But um, yeah, I think that there was as you spoke that there was this quote from one of the leaders of my of one of the schools I used to teach in, where he said, you know, we have four. You know, this was about high school. He said we have four years with these students. And in mm-hmm. some ways it seems like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, four years, like that's so much time. But in other ways, it really is just like, we only have four yep. years. Right and at the that end is real. too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, yep. some students will go to college, but mm-hmm. you know, some might not. And this is your last yep. shot. <laughs> yeah. Like, good something. luck. <laughs> Here you go yeah. world. Right. With a little bow around it. Yeah. Though, of course we know oh. that everybody, we are all lifelong learners. Students learn far more from the world than they do in any classroom. So Uh, especially true about mine, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, So yeah, I don't want to pull us away from from our um, marinating within the story. Um, Did you have anything else before we move to a few of our final segments? I don't think so. Okay, great. So we 
have uh, a few, you know, kind of extra segments in store. Uh, these will kind of shift and shuffle as we, we go on and as we get more ideas. If you are listening and have an idea about other ways that we can engage with this, with education and our world, uh, we'd love to hear it and uh, incorporate those into these segments. Sure. But tell us, Mrs. Barajas. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll keep on going. Um, this, so the first segment is, um, and this might be a, a mainstay, we'll see. But uh, if you could teach this, how? Um, maybe that's a working title, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's not the quick you know, and sexy um, title of this segment. <laughs> but no, it's what we yeah. have today. Yeah, it's what we have today. Uh, so yeah, I think that as we go into some of these works, we'll realize, wow, whether it's um, a certain uh, conservatism that keeps us, uh, that gives us an inability to, to teach in class or curriculum or time, there's a million different reasons why we might not be able to teach uh, some of the works that we engage with on this project in our classroom. But if we're, you know, since this is our classroom and this is oh. our, our space oh. and we're getting to imagine boldly, how, how would we teach this? And, and I have a thought, but I'd love to kind of throw it your way first, Vicki, um, and feel free to pass. These segments can all, always have a, have a pass <laughs> too. But um, if you were to bring this into a, a classroom, any classroom of sorts, what would you do with it? Well, my, my answer will be very short, but I really love this book. And I know right off the bat that I could never, ever actually bring it into a classroom <laughs> for many different reasons. But if I could, I would love to use it as a, a text to facilitate conversation, um, probably with a women's group, you know, mm-hmm. a group of... Mm-hmm. Um, students who identify as women and talking about talking about the various ways in which we are difficult, <laughs> you know, and not just the cute and sexy ways like, ooh, I'm a, I'm a tomboy and I like to play sports, but my mom wants me to wear dresses, you know. But there are some mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. gritty women in this book. Um, and I would love to be able to talk openly to students about... You know, I, and I would love to talk to students about the gritty difficulties and also how to how to care for ourselves and accept ourselves for who we are, but not let our difficulties turn us toxic, you know, toxic to ourselves mm. or toxic to the world. I uh, you don't need my validation on that because I mean. But as a fellow, as one teacher or educator to another, that uh, sounds like a very rich experience for the students to be able to be honest with their identities and how that identity intersects with the world. Um, so, Amen, I, I would uh, love to hear all of their, you know, if you had a students or a, a women's group uh, after kind of engaging with this, if they could come up with their own kind of bold titles, mm-hmm. you know, like a uh, bad feminist, difficult woman, you know, like maybe their name in there and like, what's their bold, their bold. Adjective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, that sounds rich. So um, how would you teach this Mr. Barajas? Yeah. Uh, science, <laughs> the science scientist in me is fascinated by the water. And I think I would latch onto that or I have latched onto that immediately. And I would, I am a huge fan of project-based learning and open and, or, you know, students creating the curriculum. Mm -hmm. So for me, I would just say we have water. 
what does it do? And I would, you know, and, and this would almost be cruel um, in some ways, but like how much water to kill your plant? Why does it kill your plant? How much water for this bacterium to thrive? Uh, and how much water, you know, would, would kill it? Or, you know, just that interplay of, of overabundance, especially within the yeah. water. And, you know, I think there's room in, in that for, for, you know, data analysis or data gathering and then analysis and then some conclusive conclusivity around the study. You know, here is too much water for this specific species of plant. Um, but then I would, I would really feel strongly about bookending that. Like maybe, with, you know, the first bookend is the story. And then the final bookend is kind of writing your own story of abundance and overabundance. You know, and, and going back to that comment that we talked about before about what what pushes, you know, maybe pushes people away or causes people to run away um, in your own life. Where are you, where do you have abundance in some places? And that same gift is overabundant in others. Um, and, you know, and that's at least where I would run with it. Yeah. But I think that'd be a fun science uh, slash personal uh, journey or a, a little adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to say, even though I am a humanities teacher, um, I love science. I love science and yeah. I love math and I would love to be a part of that class. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I, I would love to, to do it too. I'd be like, I have no idea. Let's let me, let me also do this experiment because I have no, I've killed way too many plants <laughs> to not jump in on this experience. You know what I was thinking about when you were describing your lesson, I want to be yeah. the kid in the corner who's just like pouring water on a rock or something like how, mm. long, how much water mm -hmm. does it take to erode this rock how much water does it yes take? you you cannot look at the grand canyon or, or really any sort of um geological formation and not think that mm -hmm. you know like you know you hear all the time like oh yeah water and ice and wind but you're like but how much yeah you know and it's measured in a geologic time scale like you know eras or or millennia you know of of years but you're also just like but can i see it right now yeah um and i think that that's the human uh curiosity um there is a book that we might explore um by randall Mon monroe um and he is of xkcd fame oh, i don't yeah. know if you've ever seen those like little stick figure he has he's an incredible I, brilliant thinker but also just a great writer and um he's I don't know if I'd call him, if I'm allowed to call him a scientist, I would. I don't know if, if he would take that um, moniker, but he explores a lot of pieces. So maybe there's, I'll look uh, uh, in some of his works to see if he explores that, that topic of water a little bit more in depth. And maybe we'll, we'll wow. jump into that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for asking or for answering my very random question. No. Hey, that's, that's what this class is, right? <laughs> yeah. You're a good teacher. Um, <laughs> We'll see. So I'll hold you to that <laughs> as we go through this project. Um, so the final segment I'd like to, to kind of um, end with is, uh, and this is something that I would hope is a mainstay too, is, is a quote, quote I'm so excited seat. for it. I love it. Um, so um, preface, I had, I read this uh, as a, ebook on my phone and I'm also recording on my phone right mm. now so if the recording stops we'll find a way to double back and I'll just type out my quote real quick so I can come back and record but I'm hoping that as I press the home button on my 
certain brand of phone <laughs> that I, no free advertising um, here you have no, to sponsor us no free. <laughs> <laughs> yes um uh, that the recording won't stop so let's test it out real quick i think i am yeah, still so recording far, so good okay yeah i'm, I'm looking at my quote Plus. right now so so this quote hot seat um maybe it'll it'll um shift and mold but for now you know uh, Vicky and I have had a chance to kind of talk a little bit about what we our thought our initial thoughts about this book uh, but we've saved kind of our most impactful quote I don't want to say favorite I don't want to say it's hard you know just we just chose a quote for whatever reason no value and then we're going to throw it to each other uh, I'm really excited to throw my quote uh to Vicky and maybe I'll explain why and maybe I won't it will just see how things fly so um, you're going to read me your quote and then do I react to it or no? Uh, yeah, I think let's just, yeah, let's just see okay. how it goes. I think if you want to react to it, if you, um, maybe I'll describe your reaction as I see it unfold in front of me. Um, <laughs> I love that it's a surprise. We kept one thing, yeah. a surprise from each other. So I'm very excited. We did. And yeah, and so we'll see how, we'll see how this goes. And we'll maybe uh, draw some more parameters yep. to it. Uh, but yeah, then Vicky will share hers with me as well. Um, so the first, or for this quote. Um, from water and all its weight. This is, I'll set it up. This is, um, the narrator describes Bianca's last uh, moment with her ex-husband, Dean. And this is uh, in the immediate aftermath of, of that moment that her ex-husband left. The next morning, Dean was gone. He took nothing with him, but the mold spores growing in his lungs the end. Mm, yes. Ooh, I love that quote. Let me, I, I, I don't, I don't, I can't quote exactly uh, Vicky's, uh, the first thing that Vicky said to me about Dean, mm -hmm. um, Bianca's mm -hmm. ex-husband, but if I could paraphrase, it was something to the effect of, he did nothing for me. <laughs> um, so... So my most impactful quote, though, you know, and this was, I picked this quote before I heard that, but uh, had everything to do with him and his relationship with Bianca. Um, I, you know, about that piece of people being able to walk away, mm -hmm. I would, I would not necessarily push back, but I would just add on to that, that while Dean walked away, he definitely took something with him, maybe something even more insidious than the rod of the water. Because mold spores in your lungs are no joke. It's not good stuff. No. Um, so that was, I, you know, I don't know why that struck with me, but that image just, you know, rang like a gong within yeah. my head. Same. Same. The mold spores growing in your lungs. I can feel that. Mm -hmm. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Okay. And that's, yeah, I mean, you know, whether that's how, I mean, that was just another way maybe that Bianca was difficult, you yeah. know, um, but like, you know, hey, you don't get to walk away from this, mm -hmm. not unchanged. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, you take this with you and maybe this was, this was the price of the gift of Bianca, right? Like whatever it is, this was, this was part of, of the payup. Yes. I'm snapping my fingers too. Not in the mic, but into the camera for you to see. <laughs> okay, my turn now? Yes. Okay. 
My quote, to give a little bit of context, has to do with Bianca when she is living in the orphanage. So this is after Mm. her parents have given her up for adoption. And my quote is just a little bit longer, but here it is. From water and all its weight. Water, all its weight. Priests from far away were brought in to examine her, to anoint her with holy water. They all said the same thing. Whatever plagued her was the work of the devil and his demons. Whatever possessed her was more powerful than their God. Yes, how fickle our faith can Mm. be in the face of adversity. Mm Yeah. Yeah. This, oof, go. Uh, do you, yeah, tell me, how does this feel for you? Well, I really loved, okay, the very first time that I read this story, it was reminding me of, again, I was thinking of the image of water as depression, right? And mm-hmm. I was thinking about how many uh, church communities don't believe in therapy or anti-depression mm. meds, and they're just like, pray mm-hmm. it away, pray it away, pray it away, and that's not a solution that's not a solution yep disclaimer neither of us believe that that mm-hmm. is the right way the right course no. of action any listeners here getting that message god please, wants you to take your meds do not. god wants you to be happy yes god gave you all these people yes. for a reason. so that was in my mind first but then i was reading it second third couple times and i was just kind of tickled at <laughs> the image of priests being confused <laughs> <laughs> you know um but i'm yeah. also a little bit frustrated because they're like this is the devil if we can't solve this it must be the devil like mm-hmm. there's nothing we've got nothing for you but then the last line whatever possessed her was more powerful than their god mm. and that that line feels very empowering of bianca Mm-hmm. Not in an idolatry sort of way, you know, but just mm-hmm. reminding, reminding me, reminding the reader that who we are is a mighty thing for good or for ill. You know, we are mighty creatures with mighty personalities and characteristics. And that is something to be revered and sometimes to be feared. Mm gotta love that alliteration too um or rhyming i should say yeah i i love this yeah that this validates bianca in a way like even though it it seems depressing or it seems uh, hopeless Mm -hmm. i think it just shows like she exists and people see her and try to react but her existence still still matters um i loved uh, it's interesting that this is that where you started this because I loved the the preceding sentence to this quote mm-hmm. about the the I don't know if they say if she says the nuns or the the sisters of the orphanage tried to love her like God's I now I can't even quote yeah. it right but nuns who tried the, to love her as one of God's children but failed. Yes, like like just every piece of this was just about how again the failure, the walking away, the pushing yeah. away. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, and just, yeah, I, if there's one image that just makes me mad and grumpy, it's the frustrated old, um, what's the word, man, now I have to think this through, um, like, the grumpy, frustrated, 
impatient. I think that's, that's where I'm going. Like the impatient mm. um, rel- head of religion, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's like a, you know, some sort of patriarch of, of religion where it's just like, well, this isn't working. Let me throw the Bible down and walk yeah. away, you know? And uh, we, you know, that's not how the world ex- works. <laughs> you know, the world is messy and we don't get to throw down our Bibles and walk away. Yeah. Uh, though that is often what, what, you know, people want to do. So can I read one more line? Yeah. Please. This is a couple sentence af- sentences after the quote I just read, but it says, Bianca still managed to grow up a happy child. Amen to that. Yeah. This was mm-hmm. not a tortured woman, you know? Mm-mm. She grew up a happy child and she lived her life. Mm-hmm. It, I love that, you know, later on it kind of talks about how, you know, the, the merry-go-round or, mm. or whatever it was. I don't know what, what the right name of it, the carousel, some, some sort of yeah, playground. Uh, playground equipment mm-hmm. where she w- it describes her playing on it by herself, you know, because people would, would keep their distance. And it was still like fun to play with, even though she was by herself. Um, it was, you know, it's, it's towards the end of the, the story as it, she describes kind of revisiting that same playground structure with her now ex-husband. Yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Oh, I love it. I love this story more than uh, when we started. <laughs> yes, me too. I can't wait to revisit it again. Um, so that's, that's all we have, uh, for today for, for now, yes. um, with this work, hopefully this was a little bit, uh, I, I wouldn't say more fruitful, but hopefully this was a good use of our time other than just reading the work out loud, which would have been equally fruitful or, or just as uh, fruitful for sure. Um, but I'm really happy that uh, I got to dive in with uh, to this work mm, with you. Me and too. I hope that I can take some of my learnings with me as I go, like every learner does. Yeah, same. I learned a lot today. Uh, yeah. So uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if we had sponsors, I would name them now, but, <laughs> or producers, uh, but we don't yet. Yeah, love that. Um, Aspirational thinking, yet. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but um, yeah, I think we can just sign off for now. So, you know, that was class. Thanks for being here. No homework for today. Um, keep reading. <laughs> keep reading. <laughs> Thanks, thank guys. You.